Misplaced People, episode three, a podcast about finding your place in the creative industry and the world that's around it. My name is Maggie. And my name is Ola. So Maggie, how are you? How's your week been or two weeks been? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been good actually. I feel like I've been very productive. Um, First of all, I've kind of made a start on my business plan. So for those of you you don't know I also run a magazine um it's like an arts magazine and alongside that I also create um events exhibitions um that kind of complement um the work that I produce on a website so essentially the magazine industry is kind of on its last leg so I think at the moment I'm just looking at ways to kind of make my business viable and how I can actually sustain myself from doing that alone so yeah I've been kind of working on my business plan and actually seeing how I can actually essentially market myself to maybe investors and actually think of ways that I can make a feasible amount of money from it um so I think that's been interesting because I think when you start something off it's like you maybe go into it quite um naively and I think I've been able to kind of pick apart like where I need to, the areas I need to focus on in my business to essentially make it profitable and also to kind of, um, yeah, make it something that is sustainable in the long run. Um, But yeah, it's it's definitely been productive. Um, I've also had to face like reality, like I've started applying for jobs, but not full-time jobs, freelance jobs. So, (laughs) So yeah, I'm not quite ready to fall back into that yeah that corporate life again but um what does it necessarily have to be corporate no it doesn't have to be corporate but you know it's like obviously we're getting older so it's like you know our responsibilities are changing and obviously now it's like we're getting to the age where you're thinking about your future you're thinking about investing buying property and that kind of thing and essentially you know all these banks when they kind of require you to I mean if they are going to give you a loan for your mortgage you need to be working full-time or you need to be be able to like you basically need to be making a certain amount in order for them to justify giving mm. you X amount. So if you're working a random freelance job, or like, you know, you're getting like, I don't know, 500 pound here and there, a thousand pound on like certain months and it's just very like inconsistent, they, mm, yeah, they probably won't lend you money. So I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's it's sticky. So it's just like at the same time as like I'm thinking, if I am going to return full time, is there a way to try and like finesse the system so I can actually just only do it for three months, get like the paychecks that I need, the proof that I need, and then go back to what I'm doing. But um, yeah, I've just been applying for freelance jobs. I'll probably, yeah, explain a bit more about how I really fumbled the bag when it comes to negotiating a salary. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. There's always a sticky one. Very money. sticky. But how have you been? Um... Yeah, I've been good. I think it's been a pretty um, productive two weeks with lots of reflection. Um, So uh, at the moment at Two Temple House, there's an exhibition that started called Unbound. And it's about um, women and textiles and collecting textiles. And I have some... How long is it on for? It's on, it started on the 25th and it's on until... What, 25th of Jan? Of Jan, yep. Yeah. So it started a couple days ago, and it's on until um, I had it here the nineteenth of April. Okay. So two Temple House in London, 
And um, there's actually quite a lot of interesting um, activities and events and talks happening um, in response and around the exhibition. So one of them is a Black Girl Knit Club. They have a residency at um, the Two Temple House during Unbound Festival, and they're um, creating something in response to one of Yinka Shilabari pieces. So that's pretty cool, and it's free to go and join in, and they have like multiple... like events the events yeah, yeah. Okay. so it's, it's reoccurring basically there's those different mm-hmm. talks so if you're interested in textiles and what actually is textiles and what's textiles about and there's those um, events where you can um practice silk painting and stuff like that and um as well i have some of my products in the shop gift yes. shop so if you do go <laughs> <laughs> yes plug it don't forget to check out the gift shop on your way out and buy some ola ola earrings um so, yeah, so that's been good that's been like one of my i think biggest earring orders and it's so mm-hmm. funny because for me um me including earrings in my product range was a way for me to think about how can i kind of use as much of my fabric as possible mm-hmm. um and they've kind of ended up being one of my bestsellers I think because they're just kind of something that's quite easy to add into your outfit into your life they make a nice gift Mm -hmm. they're affordable I mean this is me just assuming but that's what I'm I'm assuming people buy them but if you just buy them because you like them as well that's also great um so yeah I've had that going on um and just really thinking about where I want to take my business next so I'm a textile designer I um I don't know if it's this time of year. I don't know, because obviously you've been thinking about your business plan and <laughs> moving your business forward. Yeah. And I have as well. It's not because normally when I have these reflections, it's because something bad has happened. Like I've had a really bad, you know, month or really yeah. bad sale or something like that. And I was like, do you know what? Um, why am I even doing this? I should just get a proper job. I should work <laughs> <laughs> full time. No, that isn't always the way. <laughs> I'm wasting my time here, blah, blah, blah. But that didn't happen. It's just mm. one of those things where I was just really reflecting, okay, where do I see textiles going? Where do I see my business going? Why, why did I start doing this? Yeah. Why did I want to work for myself? Why did I want my own business? And am I achieving these things mm. at the moment? Now that I'm two years, almost um, three years in, am I achieving any of the things that I wanted to do? And it's like 50-50. Yeah. And I think I've, in ha- having a business and thinking about wanting to make sales and thinking about wanting to make it profitable, sometimes you kind of can step away from the creative mm-hmm. and the exploratory side. And I want to kind of get back into that and exploring and working with new materials and stuff like that. But I'm only one person. And I only have some a certain amount of time. So I kind of have to maybe step back from certain things that I'm doing in the business and just make these things a priority. So I've just been thinking about how can I make these things a priority? How can I do them and mm. still make money as well? Because being in my studio painting that's <laughs> so where's the money coming from that's how you came for the studio yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm doing these kind of things how mm. you know what is the plan so I've just been thinking a lot about that actually there's something that you brought up earlier and I wanted to ask you about and it was about the magazine industry mm-hmm. and when you said that how you felt like it was um, dying but do you feel like it's um, print online or that traditional model of how magazines are presented. Um, I don't know, yeah. I don't this is just probably my personal opinion um and observation um of 
the publishing industry but I have definitely noticed a decline in a lot of like the print publications that I used to read and collect like back in the day and I think that is because it's a very crowded market so whatever your message is or whatever you're trying to say it's like it has to it has to hold some weight and it's like at the same time it's just because the way we consume media is essentially everything's online now like you know mm. it's like how you find out your news is basically through social media through the internet so essentially the print industry has less of a impact on the way we kind of live our lives day to day so essentially it could be the most minor thing like if you're kind of um I don't know maybe searching for recommendations on something to do it's like your first kind of thought is probably to I don't know maybe go to TripAdvisor or go to Facebook you're not necessarily going to you know pick up I don't know uh, the evening standard and see where they recommend you know or section yeah (laughs) you know to look at their recommendations of restaurants in Shoreditch it's like you you know it's like you you know where to go yeah you want it now you want it instantly you're not gonna kind of walk around like I don't know Oxford Circus and hope someone's gonna hand it out to you it's like it's just the way we consume information is different now so that's why I've kind of noticed the decline in like print publications I feel like there are a few out there especially like in the arts and creative industry where it's like they've been going for like years yeah. they're still churning out content but at the same time it's like they've changed their I'll say their marketing model so if you even look at magazines like IDs like way back in the day I used to intern there and it's just like that magazine has changed so much <laughs> since it's gone under Vice's ownership so it's just it's just it's definitely like gone in a different direction so there's a lot of these magazines that are kind of you know they're still alive like dazed wonderland um maybe like oyster magazine it's like they mm. have had to change um the way they kind of market what they're marketing and sometimes you may notice if you buy these magazines there's just like shit loads of editorials yeah. like before you actually get to the first article is like literally you got to flip through like 40 pages of ads, ads to be honest literally yeah. <laughs> so it's like that's how they kind of make their money and it's a shame because obviously that's it's less um i mean there's less room for actual editorial content which you're actually buying the magazine for yeah. you're not really buying a magazine to see like i don't know gucci ad so it's it's just in that sense it's like a lot of these companies they're thinking of ways how they can actually make money but a lot of them are moving online and have a stronger online presence because essentially that's kind of where the money is and it's like not to say that there isn't money in um i'd say like journalism or editorial but at the same time it's just i feel like that money isn't distributed well so okay. it's like i feel like it's the same especially with fashion it's like you know it's like certain careers in fashion like people say like okay there's no money there but it's, it again it depends how it's distributed it's sad but it's like a common thing and i feel like with the creative industry in particular um it's almost like to stay afloat it's like you need to think of multiple ways to reinvent yourself if you figure out something isn't working so um yeah kind of like staying ahead of the because it's a trend industry as well mm. a lot of the time in, in the creative industry it, oh, I guess most industries but particularly creative industry because that's what we're talking about yeah. it, it is trends and it's like there's some things that are more or less timeless but most of the time you're off that moment and you do kind of have to mm. slightly you have your essence of okay this is this brand and this is the reason why we come to this brand but you have to stay relevant I guess yeah and also, I guess, for in a lot of creative jobs, I think, expe- especially fashion, I feel like you don't necessarily... I 
from my experience of working at fashion brands and listening to a lot of stories on how brands started, I feel like you shouldn't go into fashion wanting to make loads of money. Because you don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> most brands I've listened to, like, big brands, like, um, I can't remember the name of the podcast off head, but I like to just listen to a lot of stories about how brands start, even if it's not um fashion brands, just any kind of business, you know, American mm. Power, everyone, like how they started. A lot of places, it took them years, 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 they were working in, in no profits, not even profit, <laughs> no, not even breaking even, I mean, sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, no margins. Were. No, yeah, that literally <laughs> cash loss every year. Like, it takes a long time because mm-hmm. you invest so much yeah. into fashion, um, it, it, when you're a brand, around your branding, when you have different sizes and you have different um, products and you know, before you sell anything, the amount of money that you've had to invest, if you're now doing a catwalk show as well, oh, like it adds up yeah. and you normally don't make that return back quickly mm-hmm. at all, which is why I feel like it's so hard starting a fashion brand or, um, you know, like a textiles brand because people don't really want to invest into you because they mm-hmm. just don't see it as something that's viable because it's not a need really. It's a, it's a luxury most of the yeah. time. You need your basics clothing and everything else is uh, a want, a luxury. So it's difficult, but we do it because we love it, right? Mm. <laughs> 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 on the light and the on the light <laughs> We do it because we love it. If it was just about the money, mm. then... It's the wrong industry. For real, yeah. It is the wrong industry. But um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like even though we say that, it's like I don't anyone that's listening to this and obviously it's like maybe they're curious about the creative industry i don't think this should deter you because there there are ways to make money but that's where it comes i feel like that's where it's important to understand the business side of whatever you're trying to do Mm. and it's like it's great to do things because you know you're passionate about it you feel like you know you can express um you can express yourself through whatever art medium um, you decide to kind of um, do, but I feel like it's important to understand how you can really maximise your potential. And I think that's where a lot of unis are failing students mm. because every year there's another fashion course, there's another design mm-hmm. course, there's another this course, and uh, I feel like I've been so negative, but there's, there's no, not... let's an- keep it real. <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough design jobs, especially as an actual designer. Oh, yeah for everyone that's graduating. There's just not, the industry doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. In the design industry, in the fashion industry, most jobs are probably going to be retail based, you know? Yeah, or if you do find a job, it is probably unpaid. And there's that Very low pay. (laughs) (laughs) Unpaid or low pay. (laughs) So I feel like where a lot of unis are failing students is, Mm. talent is important, 100%. It's going to get you some part of the way but it's not going to get you all the way i think you have to have a, a good business mind because there's a lot of brands that deserve to have made it and that deserve to be as big as gucci or any other place but they failed because of lack of money management mm-hmm. um you know they didn't know how to market themselves production was just a it was just like they didn't they oversold things or mm. undersold things you know there's loads of things like that and at the beginning you don't always have the budget or you don't always have those people who believe in you that are just going to help you out um either for free or you rather you can't afford to get 
people to help you at all. So you're doing a lot of things yourself and you do have to be the kind of um, jack of all trades. Mm. Basically, you do have to know how to work a spreadsheet. Mm. You know, um, you do have to learn how to negotiate. You do have to um, learn how to be the salesperson as well. Mm. All these things are so important. And I just feel like um, a lot of people won't find jobs in the creative industries and then they will try and start their own brand, but without any knowledge of working for another brand mm. and without any business training. Mm. And some, a lot of people, they don't need that. There's just these natural entrepreneurs that do not need this training and they make it and that's fine. But I think majority of people do mm. and it'll be in their best interest <laughs> if they did because you take that year or, you know, there's a couple months interning that, you know, something that's not necessarily fashion related, but then you have all this knowledge that means that you can go and do your own thing and learn from um, other people's successes and other people's mistakes as well. I mean, I feel like this probably is a nice, like, segue into what I want to talk about. Like, when it comes to negotiating salaries... <laughs> <laughs> nice swear, segue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, let's get into it. Honestly, I just feel like that is the one thing. Yeah, basically, whenever you're applying or interviewing for jobs, they always kind of ask, what is your salary expectations? Depending on the size of the company, if it's maybe a small, a small company or a medium-sized company, I almost, like, make my rate flexible for their needs... Because okay. I don't want to, uh, like, you know, come across as, like, too greedy if mm. I say a rate, which is kind of, like, a bit outrageous. So then again, I'm trying to, like, mould and bend to make myself seem like the ideal candidate for not being, like, too greedy. But at the same time, I feel like, am I undervaluing myself? And I say that because, basically, the other day, I was applying for this... Um, well, I, had, I was interviewing for this... Um, freelance position for this small design brand um so I had a call with um the founder of the company and then towards the end of the call she was like oh you know what's your day rate I don't even know why but literally it was the first figure that came to my head I literally split my regular day rate in half what (laughs) (laughs) no literally yeah literally that like what like as soon as I said it I just I knew I fumbled the bag I was like, who told me to say that? Who told me to literally divide this whole thing into? But is it because you thought they couldn't afford your normal rate? Exactly. And I didn't want to uh. seem, because everything was going well, <laughs> but I didn't want her to think like, who do you think you are? Like, that is outrageous. Like, I'm not even paying myself that. Like, why do you? And then after I said it, I was just like, instantly, I almost wanted to like, hang up the phone. Honestly, <laughs> and it's like, after I said that, I was just like, what is wrong with me? Like, mm. who told me to do that? At the end of the day, it's like if she did want to hire me for this job, she would probably negotiate with me or ask me if there's any flexibility on that. But I feel like sometimes when you're in certain situations and it's like, I feel like that's probably now kind of going into this freelancer world, which I'm trying to, you know, basically navigate through. I feel like that is definitely, I'm showing like naivety in that sense. Do you feel like half your day rate that you normally get, even though it might be from certain companies that have different budgets, mm. half of that is still a livable wage? Or <laughs> for no. you, for your life, it's not... It's not really livable. It's just, it's it's okay, but... But it's not worth the amount of work you're going to put in 
yeah because i feel yeah experience yeah and i just honestly i don't even know why i said that but it just it was like the first figure that came to my mind probably i could even hear it like smile on her on her end <laughs> down the phone like oh, no. Cheap one. Yeah. yeah. Got a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when it comes to even being in like corporate environments, when I have worked in those, when it comes to negotiating like rates of pay and salary, I always find it a lot easier because you're not kind of by yourself. Is like maybe you have the support of like maybe a HR team or maybe your line manager, or, you know, someone who's kind of in your corner as well. But that's why, in a sense, it's, it's probably not, uh, it's not really a feasible excuse, but I feel like that's why I really fumbled that bug. Mm-hmm. And cause it's just like, I'm doing this by myself. I feel like I don't really have that much experience when it comes to negotiating. And in my head, I was kind of playing, playing it back. Like, but I was like, okay, it's already, it's already said and done. I can't really cry over spilt milk. So it's like, I can only really learn from this. I um, went to a, a workshop ages ago and I've had time to kind of quickly look through my notes to see um, what they said about salaries, asking for pay rises, but this one's mainly about salaries. And um, mm. basically, this is what they said. They said, during a job interview, they asked what salary you are on or what you want. You should turn the question around on them as well mm. and kind of ask what is their pay band and what other, they even said what other, asked what other team members are making and who's the highest earner. Wow, yeah. that's ballsy. <laughs> Shit. I mean, but I, I think turn the question around them and say, what's their pay band? I think that's a fair question because at the end of the day, they have a budget, mm. right? That they're willing to to, to spend. Yeah. And most of the time, they're, sh- they're just trying to kind of um, gauge. gauge. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's actually, I think most jobs, if not all jobs, should put their salary there because sometimes you really be just wasting your time mm-hmm. applying for these jobs, writing a cover letter, going for a job interview for them to say, oh, yeah, manager position. 21k or something yeah. I don't know <laughs> and you're like huh Honestly. <laughs> took a day off work for this <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we should know beforehand I think mm. there should be um definitely um some sort of clarity and openness mm. um and I feel like it shouldn't you shouldn't feel bad about asking them what they can afford either mm. I just feel like yeah next time I probably will just stick to my guns and stick to my original day rate and just not fluster like under Definitely the pressure stick to your guns and just be prepared mm. i guess like even if you do feel like i'm going to slightly modify it because i feel they can't afford it just have that figure in your head already mm. have it written down in your notes in your notebook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the end of the day you never know i think it's an assumption that a small company can't afford sometimes they can yeah sometimes they're more willing to mm-hmm. or they have less of an idea or it's based off you know who was there before the last person who was there their, their day rate was blah 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 so that's kind of just what they expect so you really you really don't know like yeah there's really yeah no point understanding yourself and if they really want you mm-hmm. um i think they'll try and find a way mm-hmm. around it i think they're probably assuming that you're adding on anyway so yeah. they can bring it, bring you down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think there's no harm in in saying that. I have never really had to do that in a job interview. So oh, really, you never had to negotiate a salary. Not really. I mean, I think the thing is, I haven't had loads and loads of jobs <laughs> in in my career. I'm kind of like one of those people that stay somewhere for a decent amount of time. Okay. 
But you've never really been in a job and thought like, okay, I've been here X amount of time. Like it's now coming around to the point of year where they're doing their... It's that thing that they do. Oh, like a review. Review, end of year review. Have you not thought like, okay, I kind of want... Okay, a yeah. bit more money. Yeah, definitely in reviews, I always bring it up. Mm. Oh, I have an idea in my head of what I want. Because that's the other thing, I've always worked in small companies, so they mm. normally don't have HR, proper HR. Talking directly you're to talking directly the to your, your the director. <laughs> <laughs> you're speaking directly to the director. I am <laughs> and I just hate doing it, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to miss this mm. opportunity to get an extra whatever K added onto my pay because it mm. makes a big difference. And also you have to be quite savvy because sometimes they don't really know the difference to them. It's just a, oh yeah, I don't mind adding one or two pounds. One or two pounds, once tax. Yeah, You're no not even feeling it. <laughs> so you have to know what you want and you have to know mm-hmm. the difference it's going to make in your life. Yeah. And come forward with that. And sometimes you just have to make it very clear to them. If you just add this to my salary, mm-hmm. I'm not going to see any difference. For me to see a difference, you need to add at least that. Yeah. And this is what I'm asking for. Mm. Um, and I think as well, if you're doing your job, you're doing your job well and they value you um, and you're not coming every month asking for a pay rise. So it's like your six month review, one year review and you can come and you can show everything that you've been doing and working on and the business is making a profit. I don't see why a company should say no. So what are you doing in terms of prep? And stuff of being a freelancer because you're kind of coming from corporate even though you've i guess you freelanced before mm, yeah getting back into that lifestyle because it is different it is different and it's yeah it's difficult to be honest um i'm yeah don't let anyone lie to you like it's not easy but um i think one thing that i have tried to do is just find spaces basically within my home that i can work and just trying to keep up my proactivity. Even though you're working from home, it's easy to fall into that trap. Like, okay, let me just um, sit on my bed for like 10 minutes and, you know, fluff up the pillows and get a <laughs> bit comfy here. Let me put the heating on. Next thing you know, it's like, you've passed out, you've been asleep for like four hours and you've done nothing. So I feel like it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's Life, yeah. yeah <laughs> like <real>. me yesterday. <laughs> it's, no, it's like, it happens a lot. And it's like, Sometimes you do feel like, oh, you know, I just I deserve like you know, quick little nap, like power nap. Yeah, I'm gonna get back on it. I'm gonna do all night tonight. I'm gonna search for jobs. I'm gonna you know update my website. I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. But in reality, it doesn't work like that. So I feel mm-hmm. like it's important to kind of have designated spaces, like whether it's like I don't know your dining room desk, whether it's like a random like you know a desk in a spare room, if it's like a really uncomfortable chair. But you know, like if you sit on that chair, it's like you're not gonna move until we finish doing what you need to do. So I feel like that's been important, but unfortunately where I live, it's extremely noisy and extremely loud on the front line of Peckham, where it's literally a siren every 10 minutes that you're hearing. Particularly, (laughs) my mom's pretty quiet. I live in Peckham, but. (laughs) Speak for myself. (laughs) It's hella loud, like where I live. So it's quite difficult to concentrate and work from home. And I'm just one of those people that, if I'm working, I need like some silence, some peace, some serenity. So what I've been doing, I've been going to co-working spaces, doing like a couple free trials. When I can be bothered, I do go to like, yeah, cafes. And I'm just one of those people. I buy like one coffee. I'm sitting in that restaurant. By the window, yep. laptop. I'm one of those people, like for six like hours. Novel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but these times I'm looking, I'm looking busy, but I'm probably like scrolling on Facebook, but. WhatsApp web. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know, my experience, I don't freelance, but I do have quite flexible working mm. hours and patterns. So I have my brand and I also studio coordinate a fashion school. Um, so in that, because it's a lot of kind of, I don't manage, it's more like management of different things, but I can do a lot of it from home and mm-hmm. I always have to be there. Yeah. So um, I split my time up where I'm kind of half there, half working from home. I normally start the week off there and finish the week off at home. For me, it's definitely um, trying to keep a routine. I do spend a lot of time alone um, in that job role as well because I work for a very small company where it's literally the director, um, me, and the tutors. I spend a lot of the time in the office alone. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time when I'm working on my own brand alone. Yeah. So there's, I spend... I can spend days, if I didn't live with my like family, I could spend days alone, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and I, in a way, kind of have sometimes. So mm. um, I'm used to working alone, and I really don't mind that personally because I feel like I come in and I do what I need to do. And normally when other people are around, it just distracts me from my plan. Mm. Um, in saying that, I still kind of feel like I'm a good team player when I need to be, but I think I just get things done when I'm doing it by myself. And mm. um, having someone else there just means that I'm probably going to talk more and I have to maybe change the music I'm going to listen to. So yeah. I would rather just. But is that when you work, work in a studio, you mean? Like working. Like in my own studio? Yeah, in your own studio. Because um, I have a shared studio space, sometimes there's someone else there, mm. but I'm still working alone. I'm still working on my own projects alone. Mm. Um, when I'm at my um studio coordinator role sometimes there's other people around but they're not working with me mm. i'm normally working just with the director or by myself yeah which is why a lot of the time i can work from home so um that's all we have time for today thank you for tuning in thanks again to everyone who's listening and sharing and we will speak to you soon yeah please follow us on instagram <laughs> and Twitter <laughs> displaced people that's displaced PPL thanks for listening bye bye